0: Welcome to Leaders Who Celebrate. My name is Pamela Bekalian, marketing veteran turned mindfulness teacher. Thanks for joining Chloe, Jerry, Kavita, Martika and I while we have candid conversations on leadership, mindfulness and everything in between. Let's get started. This is episode number nine, what makes a mindful leader. Hi guys. So I thought to start this episode, maybe as opposed to other episodes, I would read an excerpt to get us going because it is such a intangible concept or topic, even though we, you know, we're discussing this before recording, I guess mindfulness is very much what this podcast is about. It's about, you know, slowing down and taking the time to connect and talk to each other and assess and, and observe and all that kind of stuff. but. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of cool to actually go maybe even more in depth and zero in on the notion of mindfulness as opposed to how it applies to other things. Um, so here's the excerpt, okay? So it says, when uh, you are on a journey, it is certainly helpful to know where you're going. But remember, the only thing that is ultimately real about your journey is the step that you are taking at this moment. That's all there ever is.
1: God, it's giving
0: me so much anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I, I, so, um, so yeah. yeah what? I, so basically, mm, what, yeah. what, what this says is it's helpful to know where you're going when you're going mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the only thing you really know is where you are right now. Because in the future, you don't really know. You think you know, but you don't. And whatever is in the back already is already in the back. So it's distorted. It's through a lens of memory. It's not something that you actually know right now, right here. So Chloe's choking right now.
2: (laughs) What what makes you panic? The fact that you you say you know, but you don't really know?
1: What makes me panic about this is that it makes everything seem so vague and ambiguous.
0: Intangible. What
1: we were talking about earlier, and about me liking things to be very like tangible. Intangible, and it's right. You're right, Pam. It's an intangible concept, and it makes you think. I mean, I agree with the fact that it helps you stay in the present, but then it really makes you feel like ultimately nothing matters except for right this second.
2: Which, that's what it is. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. do you live your your life
2: like nothing matters except for right this second yeah no i'm kidding yeah. um <laughs> i i want to um and whenever i panic i start worrying i do go back to that space which is now and when you really do that I, like always focus on the now you don't worry as much because the uncertainty of what is and what if, it, is it going to happen? Is it going to work out? Should I do this? Should I, Oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? If you know you can't control all of this, you have to, like you said, the steps, the daily steps to get to where you need to go, that's all you can control, which is now And when you go, always go back to that space, you do feel good.
3: It's like what you were saying before you, you were saying, well, in a different episode, you were talking about being like a fixer, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so important because it's so easy to get caught up and, overwhelmed when you have like a thousand and one things to do like I was yesterday and Pam was like talking to me last night and she's like what can you what can you do right now like what can you delegate what can you change and that's what it comes down to is when you're mm. like you hey, wait a minute let me not think 10 miles ahead and let me bring it back to right this second you can't do it all right this second but what mm. what can you do and I think that is being mindful about your current situation yeah. as it is today
2: Definitely.
1: For me, it's not the, um, it's not it's not the content of what you guys are saying. Like I agree with everything you're saying and like how it does help with anxiety or like you know if you focus on the present moment and that's how you should live and like, that's not what, really like gets me nervous or whatever. It's the concept of,
0: mindfulness,
1: the concept of, the fact that nothing else matters. So then, like it becomes like a very existential. Thing for me where it becomes like this big like life questions well if nothing matters then like what's the point of you know and then I kind of get into this mode where and you probably talk about my speech I'm like speaking faster I'm getting nervous like it makes me like nervous like so what there is no true structure in life so it's like all an illusion really that
3: that kind of brings me peace wow. so when I start to think about that and I'm like
1: nothing actually matters like I'm like
3: I actually think about that specifically, especially when I'm getting overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work as much with like family, family stuff, like things that ultimately matter so much. But when I think about work, then I'm kind of like, nobody gives a shit if this, ev- like who really cares if this event happens, doesn't happen. Like in the grand grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. this doesn't actually matter at all. And when I think about <laughs> it that way, I'm kind of like, Okay, so who cares? I'm just now, I'm just gonna go about my work, and it's very comforting.
2: And you said, but you're gonna you go about your work, and you still go through with the event. But then there's that extra added pressure of what if and people and show, knowing that you know it doesn't matter because you you don't put that. You're just focusing on performing and do what you have to do, and not adding extra stress to. Doesn't mean you have to stop and just look at the sun and call it <laughs> the day. Yeah, but well, you still have to move quit. forward. But it's just yeah. Thinking about it and saying, yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter. You still have to do it. Yeah.
0: I think it's very similar to something I say all the time. When you go to the gym the first time, it hurts like a bitch. And then you call your friend who has a boyfriend that's a trainer and you say, what do I do for the pain? And the only thing you can say is, the more you do it, the less pain you'll feel. And it's a stupid idea, but it's so true. Like I, you know, I used to train a lot and then I took a little break and I started training again this fall and I was in so much pain. Like my legs were killing me. And I was trying to find an out, like a, a way to get away from the practice. And mm-hmm. the reality is the more I train, the less, you know, the, the, the less pain I feel, the the less um, muscle tearing, you know, sensation happens and and the, the the quicker recovery time and it's the same with with mindfulness and for anything actually the more you do it the more the more it becomes a second nature and and without even thinking of it doesn't matter maybe just breathing we were just laughing a minute ago but you know working on your computer sometimes you just forget to breathe and then and Then you get overwhelmed and then but you're not breathing. And that's your basic thing. You need to breathe. So um No, I, think, I like
2: the concept. Fact, think, yeah. Go ahead. Go
0: ahead. No you.
2: No you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just wanted to say I like the concept of the more you do it, the less pain you feel. Yeah. Um, and I tell my friends that all the time. They don't like when I tell them that, especially when in relationships, you know, something happens, you get heartbroken, you don't you like you're done forever. Um <laughs> But the more you open up, the more you experience, um, the, the, the less uh, dramatic it becomes when something doesn't work out. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just yeah. you get used to just being open, period. Because when you're so closed and it's complicated to open it, once it's open, it's like I you owe, you owe me because I opened up. Because usually I'm closed, but then I open up, so you owe me this. You have to stay forever. You have... It's not the person's responsibility, but if you stay open, you practice just to be open, the person comes in, it doesn't work out, they leave, but it's, you don't leave with your your heart, your mind, your soul, like your, your whole, you know, and it's just, the more you do it, the less painful it is, you know, I don't, you know. I think also everything. the
0: more you're able to, to reap the benefits of something, definitely, the more it becomes a habit because you see the benefits. So it's like stacking benefits on benefits on benefits. It's like saving money when you put it in the beginning of the account. (laughs) Like you're not spending it on fast fashion, like AKA Pam. And you put it on the account and then you see your account growing. You're encouraged to want to put more money into that account. Momentum. Yeah. Momentum. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, is something that
1: everybody has to experience on their own in the sense that no matter what you say or like, how you try to, for me, like, I am trying to think of, like, some of the hardest moments in my life, and even though people who cared for me or were around me were, like, it's gonna be okay, or, you know, um, it gets easier with time, like, I used to hate when people would say it gets easier with time, or, like, you know, it, it won't be as hard, it won't always be this difficult, or, or rather, like, my brother would tell me all the time, like, um, it's not that it, it's not that it's, it, it, it goes away or it stops, it's that you just get better at it. And then I would get so frustrated with him saying that because I was like, well, what does that mean? He's like, you just get better at it with time. Like, what I'm referring to in particular is anxiety. Like, he would tell me, like, you know, you don't cure yourself of anxiety. You just get better at dealing with anxiety over time. And I was just like, that sounds horrible. So what, it, like, stays forever? Like, I was so mad at his explanation. But once I lived it and I experienced it, and then I was like, oh, okay, like, I understand what he means now, so... I I like came to terms and had some kind of solace in that but it's it's hard it's 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 you know it's not easy to learning is
0: hard I've yeah. I've the dancing I know we've spoken about dancing before but <laughs> I realized this week why I was being so hard on my body these past few days and it's my own again being mindful dancing for me has been an amazing platform to experiment with mindfulness and Going back to the coaching courses I've taken, and and the four stages of learning, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Does anyone know about those? Like frustration, anger. anger. No, the first. (laughs) No, no, no. But that's like rejection. No, no, no. So basically, when when you start something new which you've never touched on, it's called. um, I mean, you're oblivious to it, right? So it's unconscious. So it's it's unconscious. Um, what is the word again? Unawareness. Yeah, it's like unconscious unawareness. You're like, Mm -hmm. you don't know.
2: Yeah, it's unknown. You don't know. Mm -hmm.
0: And then when you start doing it, well, then you start getting good at it. I mean, good on a a scale, right? If you're putting Mm -hmm. on a scale, compared to someone who's been doing it for 10 years, you're going to see that you're particularly incompetent. So now you're aware of your incompetence. So you're in the second level of learning. And then you reach the third level of learning where you've had someone like a mentor or someone, or or you've actually put more effort into it and continued and not given up, even though the the second level is the hardest is because that's where usually we go into our mind. Yeah. And we start racing towards the future and wanting to be perfect or better or whatever, because we finally realize that we're incompetent. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to pass that, then, and that la- layer of frustration, that's why we say, when you're close to like when you're feeling frustrated you're really close to the breakthrough because you're just two steps away from actually stepping into competence competence doesn't mean mastery though and then with competence it gets easier but you still have to continue practicing and practicing until you reach mastery and ultimately for someone who does yoga also there's no point in learning something until you can teach it if you go through the yogic way uh, and that's why you become a yogi you know you practice something so much that you you become a master at it. And the point is to teach it to somebody else, to just share the love. And and I've I've noticed like in my patterns, when when that's, you know, when I get to that second level where it's conscious incompetence, that's when I'm the hardest on myself. <clears throat> so these four stages, you know, I completely forgotten about this. And I was talking to a coach friend of mine who did the program, he was like, Pam, you've reached the level of conscious incompetence that's what's going on right and it's like ah and that was so like evident to me so you know being mindful of what stage you are at yeah is 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 crucial because then it puts everything back into perspective i feel like we don't teach children
1: enough this kind of stuff Uh, absolutely and so like when you when you when you like when you're an adult like, you've, you've been, like, think about it. Like, my whole life, I've had, like, these kinds of things. And, like, I'm only learning this now at 29, which is great. I mean, luckily, I get to learn it. And some people call their whole lives not...
0: For I me, mean, I was 35, good. so you're way ahead of the curve, all <laughs> you of know? you guys.
1: But um, it's just crazy. I feel like this is something that's so... Once you understand this and you can grasp the concept, then, like, it's so much easier. Well, not so much easier, but it does help, you know? Like, like you said, like, um, uh, conscious incompetence, you know, like... If I understood that concept like a long time ago, then maybe I would I would have not given up so quickly on other things, or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And uh, you excel mm-hmm. in life, you know? I think all children should like learn that as a
0: well, mindfulness a is is not necessarily taught to all children either. If we're coming back to the topic of, of this episode, I mean how many children would benefit from and, and it is becoming more frequent in schools, yoga and med- meditation and some schools are experimenting as opposed to putting kids in, in punishment well, t- to sit down, to center themselves and to just come back to the now. Mm-hmm. It's called regulation, basically. It's just like because we have a very complex nervous system. And, and when you're not breathing and when you're like all over the place, either in the past or in the future, then you're not you're not here. And if you're not here, it can be very overwhelming, especially for a young child who doesn't know how to manage the emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, that was our doggy. Groaning. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that was gonna be the
2: It was gonna be It sounded like it could be. But that was
0: the. I was thinking the same thing. You can cut off. Did you ever think about doing something for children? I'm considering it part of the platform that's coming out. Mm. Um, I just find it's a huge responsibility as soon as you touch kids. Yeah. Um, again, have to feel like I'm at, I think I'm going to start with the adult classes. And when I'm, when I'm super comfortable and in that level of mastery, then.
2: Why would you say, um, um, cause you know, when you work with adults, we all have our, our, um, you have certain, we have our life story, right. That, um, And usually we use that story to say, well, you don't understand me because I've been through this. And some people feel like um, they can't open up because of whatever they experienced. Wouldn't it be easier for kids because they're just like a, they're fresh, they haven't experienced anything. So it's Mm -hmm. like they're, they could take it in better.
0: I guess for me, um, it's just that the way the brain of a child works is Mm -hmm. very different from an adult. True. Uh, even physiologically, we've said it many times in other episodes. Like the the brain develops that. So I'm not not that you necessarily need expertise because I'm a mom and I do it with my kids. Even though I'm sure I do a lot of fuck ups, like like most moms, and I try to be gentle with myself about it. But I find like when you're when you're creating the space for for kids, uh, there's 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 a much grander responsibility somewhere. So. I just feel like I would have to dig deeper, maybe, okay. into the understanding of things, and maybe also practice even more and seeing how it works in terms of mm-hmm. the dynamic on yeah. the platform. Um, there's this cute little book I bought for my kids, which is is called the Mindful uh, the Mindful Book, and it, it it teaches them, you know, notions of gratitude and all these things and like Mm -hmm. a place where you can color. And I think that's another way also where you can play with kids and, you know, use the more artistic side to to bring them into now we talked about aerating a little moment ago. Um, For example, you're super anxious or you feel like, so focusing on breathing, but sometimes when you're in those spaces where they're very uncomfortable telling you, okay, you need to breathe, like, you know, this is not going to work for you. So (laughs) no, it's true. Like, especially if you're really pissed off, like it really depends on a scale of where one to 10, where you are. If, like your baseline is a six and you're at a 12 of anxiety. Getting you back to a six just by telling you to breathe is not going to work. You um, won't? Not one. necessarily. Not well, necessarily. Um, something called aerating that I've learned through um, um, the practice of somatic experiencing. Mm-hmm. So basically, you, you look around you in the space where you are for, for things. So you just notice. You take your time with a soft gaze and... You try to focus on your breathing, but that's not the focus. You're just looking around. And then another way to put it is look for, let's say, trigger yourself. Say, I'm going to look for five things that are blue and then look around and then start naming them. First of all, there's the element of distractions. You're getting away Mm -hmm. from whatever is like looping your mind, the mind. And then once, once you're there, then you can focus on slowing down your breath or doing something else. Um, with my kids, what we do is Ho'oponopono a lot. Mm-hmm. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. By putting our hands on our heart or on our belly. Uh, we also do the the Satnam, Satana with the repetition on the fingers. But in these cases, um, like, for example, when Rafi broke his leg and we're in the hospital and he was very, he's very scared of needles, like, like ridiculous. Like, it's like a roller coaster for him. That's how scary it is. And... Um, he was agitated to the point where he was like swearing, pushing nurses. Like it was pretty spectacular, Mm -hmm. but he's a spectacular child anyways. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was very dramatic. So after he got, they tried two times, they couldn't get the needle in. And then I said, okay, Rafi, are you ready to try my way? But we had to get to that point where he felt like we had to try something to actually get to slow down his nervous system. What did you do, Satana? The satanama. Yes, that's what you did with him? With him we did hopunopono. Okay. So I, I looked in his eyes. Uh first of all I did a, a calming exercise with him where I brought him back to a place of gratitude, a place like where he felt safe like visually in his head, and then we did a couple of hopunoponos and he was able to calm down and while he was doing that she was able to put the needle in and he didn't even notice. But
2: I guess you prepared him for that because if I'm at the hospital and I'm anxious, I'm, I just want to kill everyone, and you start saying, oh, open, open, I'm like, what the fuck Well, it's because, about? yeah, we, we practice. <laughs> so those, I yeah, no, no, we absolutely him. do. Well,
0: first of all, <laughs> whether it's adults or kids, we all model after each other. So the mm. fact, you know, when people say, I, I want to help this person so badly, you know, I don't know how to help them. And I say, if they haven't asked for help, you can't help them. But what you can do is model the behavior that will help them. So by, by taking care of yourself, and that's another way of being mindful, is putting, you know, in the airplane, they say, put your oxygen mask first. You know, some people would like curl at, at that thought. Like for me, it's a given now. But at one point in my life, telling me to put my oxygen mask first, I'd say, what, are you crazy? Like, no, my kid needs the, the oxygen. Mm-hmm. But if you want to help somebody, you have to help yourself. So first of all, the more grounded you are, the more at peace you are, the less suffering you're in. The people around you are going to suffer less. And then by 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 acting in a specific, consistent way, more or less, as much as I am consistent, mm-hmm. the kids end up doing the same thing as well. Okay. Uh, I know sometimes, and putting music, for example, I put like a lot of the the, the Kundalini chanting uh, in the car or when I'm doing dishes or whatever, you know? And so I will sometimes, you know, be passing by the bathroom when Arthur is taking his, his bath and I will hear him chanting. And I don't think he's even aware that he's doing it. You know, like when a kid hums a song that he's heard so many times that yeah. it's in the background. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think another time I also caught him, like he was sitting on the couch with the dog in lotus position, actually breathing and just decided to do it on his own. I think he finds it it's cool. so cool. So, so to come back to you asking about kids, I think it's about just, you know, it doesn't have to be like an adult thing where it's an intervention. It's more of a soft approach where mm. they observe the behavior and they just, Model after you, as opposed to modeling after the crappy stuff that we've learned. <laughs> Sorry, parents, but
1: well, that's another um another way of putting mindfulness. I guess it's leading uh by example. So like you said, just leading from a place of example. Sometimes you want to help someone, like you said, if they don't ask for the help, then you can't really help them. So the best thing you can do is just model. You know, the help you think they need, so that they can reflect off of. Of view or or you know
0: soften without expecting an outcome also no. because then you're already in the future you're not in the present anymore because yeah. the moment you say okay I am doing this because hopefully down line they're gonna do the same then you've already defeated the purpose yeah yeah that's to the be trick
2: because then you've the created an expectation yeah. so
0: you have to be in the appreciation and in the gratitude of the moment that you're able to do this for yourself and then eventually if they end up doing it then fine. And those are the biggest blessings. Sometimes you don't expect, and you're like, "Oh, look at that!" You and, know, when I, when and I, to yeah. me, it's
2: it's it's you know when we say: if you you can't help someone when they don't ask for help. Um, I in my head, everybody needs help in a way. We all do. And and I'll probably catch you when you're not looking, type. You know, because at the moment, I won't help you when you think I'm helping you. Um, I'll choose the right moment to do it, and you probably won't you probably realize it at one point, like, oh, the conversation we had or what you did for me, you showed up, you you know, that's how I help without calling in help or an intervention, or, you know, because at one point some people might resist and say, you know, I don't need anything, but I always manage to sneak help from my friends and they don't even, and at one point one of my friends said, I didn't realize what you did help me, but you didn't say you were helping me, and I guess that's why I didn't resist, I just let it be. You know? I don't think so you're seeking help.
0: I think that's called loving them unconditionally. Absolutely. It's, um,
2: <laughs> it's interesting you say that because that's, that's one of my goals. I think last year, mid last year, I told myself that this is what I wanted to do, um, on a daily basis. Like everyone I meet from my friends who just love people unconditionally. And the day I decided to do that, well, love myself first unconditionally and then, um, loving others. And it, really changed everything from my relationship with people because
0: you're leading from a place of love yeah
2: and it's it's pretty interesting at first i'm like can i do that can i love people unconditionally but you can you know you can you actually can
0: it's the only way to do it though (laughs) honestly without judgment it's the only way it's the only way to actually be free i mean if you don't want to suffer it's the only way that doesn't mean that I do it perfectly at yeah, all. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. No, no, it's not just hard sometimes. It's actually very hard. <laughs> it's always there It's actually very it hard, but, but it's practiced again. Like, honestly, isn't it hard to start going to the gym or boxing? Do you, like, do you remember when you started boxing? Absolutely. How hard was that? It's really hard. Yeah.
2: What How was hard is it today? What was hard? It's uh, still hard, but you enjoy it. it. Yeah. Yeah. What part of it is hard? What, well,
0: what part of it was hard? Of boxing? Um,
1: a few things. First was keeping my cardio. So my, mm-hmm. you know, car, uh, boxing involves a lot of cardio, and, and that's hard to have a good cardio, you know, if you, you're you not eating well, sleeping well, whatever, etc., smoking, whatever you want to do. Um, another thing that was difficult is that people think that boxing in particular is really um, a physical sport, but it's extremely mental as much as it is physical <laughs> mm-hmm. you have to remember you have to be very mindful while you're boxing you have to remember mm. your stance your position um how your your movements you have to um if you're sparring with a partner you have to anticipate their movements you have to think like 3 steps ahead or 4 steps ahead at all times while still holding your space it's just it requires a lot of mind um so that was challenging even just getting the motions right like my boxing coach um was telling us a story the other day in one of my classes and he was saying how when he decided he stopped karate and he decided he wanted to start boxing kickboxing professionally and um when he went to his first class he met like this really big coach and the coach was like okay um look at yourself in the mirror and basically he had to do slides now if you're not familiar with boxing Slides is like a very boring movement where you slide to the left and you slide to the right because you're basically dodging your opponent's punch, right? And um, he made him do slides in the mirror for an hour and a half. And so, and then he said, "Okay, see you on Wednesday, same time, same place." And and so, like my coach was so eager to like hit and fight, and you know, you have this thing that when you're when you're in combat sports, like you're a bit arrogant, you know, you can't wait to like hit someone, kind of thing. I don't like, think it's just
0: combat sports. Look at the dancing with me yesterday. I actually I told you I walked for two hours, doing jinga with a shaped ass movement with a freaking box on my head, and trust me, like for two hours yesterday. Yeah. And what I the the, the thing I want to do is like. You'd call it arrogant, but I really want to be dancing the way I see them dancing and flowing and moving and doing the twists and doing the moves and but you know you have to get at it. Like you have to go through those different layers and yeah. I think it's it's it comes with people who who are overachievers and who really wanna master things and who want, you know, to get somewhere as opposed to just okay being in a status quo. I think we are here to not be in a status quo. We are here to actually um, live in the body and 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 ex- experience it and experiment and and that's painful.
3: And also, like that victory come, like that feeling after comes from like all that hard work that you put in.
1: Well, needless to say, he, the coach made him do slides like three, four times, three three, four other hour and a half sessions after that. And my coach was like, I was ready to just give up. Like I didn't want to box anymore because he was so tired of doing slides, but. He then said, like, I mastered slides so well that when I fought for my first fight, my slide was, like, impeccable, and my opponent just couldn't catch me because I was so good at, at sliding the punches. So it's like repetition is king, you know what I mean? Like, mm. you just continue, and you and you train your body, and once you get it, then that's part of mastering something, you know? Like, when you think, well, we're talking about boxing, so when you think about boxing, it's like, yeah, fighting and hitting, and but so much of it is actually mastering... Your opponent other skills your footwork just just boxing doing boxes with your footwork it, it's so there's so much more to it than just actually having a contact with someone or hitting someone you know mm-hmm. so yeah there's a lot of challenges to get back to your question what's challenging about boxing like so much and right, now too. your body kind of falls into the flow and and you ask me now how am i with boxing i have so much to learn still but i'm a lot more comfortable with my sport i i I watch videos. Like, I watched my first video. I know you did for dancing, too. I the same with dancing.
2: (laughs) I watched
1: watched my first video of boxing um, two years ago when I, like, had my first time sparring with a coach. And I was like, oh, my God, I was so slow. And I was so, my punches were so heavy. And, like, and now I I see my videos and I'm like, wow, like, I really came a long way, you know? So Mm. it's pretty
0: cool. So it is the same with mindfulness when you think about it. Because the more you practice it, I mean, five years ago, you would have told me, you know, that suffering was a choice. I would have fucking laughed at you. I would have. Because suffering is a choice. Right. Mm. Pain is not. No. I mean, you you, you you jam your fingers in the door, your body's going to go, ouch. You know, you're going to bleed or whatever. But the suffering notion is a choice. Absolutely. I think it's a question of perception, you know.
1: But um, what, I've, what I've learned is that um, a lot of people have the difficulty they have difficulty with choosing to see things in a positive light
0: than in the negative. Because it's a lack of practice. You just mentioned practice. Because the more you practice it, the more you're going to see and reap the benefits of it, the more you're going to want to sit into it. Because the feeling of going to bed... I was saying this to someone who I haven't spoken to in like a couple of months, like probably a year. And she was like, so how are you doing? I said, well, I am at a point in my life and this is without exaggeration. It's not tooting my own horn, but I can actually go to sleep at night and not feel guilty about something. And that is like priceless. Like when you go to bed and you know that whatever you've done or whoever you've interacted with or, and that doesn't mean I didn't fuck up. That means that at some point in the day, if something happened, I will either pick up the phone or deal with it. On the spot like you know I I will hurt somebody I mean I'm just human I will happen or I will act out of sorts or even with my kids just saying I'm sorry I take responsibility for it I saw my pattern I choose to acknowledge it and now I release it and and the response you get from the people is crazy too that's what I'm saying that first step yeah of be of choosing to be aware
1: is so hard for some people like it's a choice and it's not an easy one I choose to be aware so we were talking about arguing or fighting or you know sometimes like you said Pam I'm human I will blow up or get angry or lose it and I have and I, I continue to even though I'm I, I try to be better at it each time but I'm aware afterwards and I'm like okay I know better I shouldn't react that way but some people they just they don't even choose to or want to see things in a, and we're not talking about like blowing up, we're talking about, you know, perceptions and seeing things in a, a positive light. But like, I can think of one person in particular, like every time there's something, it's always reverting back to like, well, this is happening to me and this is so negative. But and- that's
0: fulfilling a need. You have to understand mm, that. Yeah. Because the the six basic human needs, and I don't know if I mentioned this before, but Tony Robbins, you know, calls, says that there's six basic needs. So you have certainty, uncertainty, um, you have uh significance, then you have um, love and connection and then you have contribution growth and then contribution and when you have three of those needs then you have an addiction and addiction is super hard to break like I love sugar and carbs like you know I resisted the croissants all morning and then I ended up taking a croissant in half so I mean like it's it's you know addictions are hard addictions are freaking hard yeah. so for example for someone who's stuck on suffering usually um, it's it's three the combo it's usually certainty or uncertainty significance love connection so it's it's playing in that that field and and when and and the connection is so important when you're suffering you're actually connecting to yourself it's like a smoker they don't realize that they're actually breathing smoking is hard to quit not just because of the societal aspect or because of the nicotine but because when you're smoking you're actually taking deep 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 you know, meditative breaths. You know, think about it. taking it and releasing. So, I mean, all these things we don't we don't realize them, but they're addictions and That's suffering. What it makes suffering. them feel
2: good to do it because I never
0: thought of that. Exactly, when you're when you're if hmm. you're actually doing breath work, so getting rid of okay. that is super hard because then you get the anxiety that punches in, and then you add obviously the society thing, like if you're hanging out with friends or smoking, or then. And it's the same with everything, but at the basis of it, there is something that is physiological. And in in the case of suffering or not being mindful, which is the opposite of suffering, you're actually connecting to yourself. And the need for human beings to connect to themselves is so strong. It's like one of our most essential basic needs is connection. We're all here to connect. Otherwise, why the fuck are we here? I think um, it's hard for some people because
1: I know we've spoken about this in a past episode, Jerry, but... Um, I think I think people are really attached to their victim kind of like mentality. Yeah, yeah their story. And, yeah. and um, to anyone listening, you know, I really think it's important to underline that you can have attention and love and all these great things without having to have this victim mentality. Mm-hmm. It is possible. Like some people I think are afraid to let go of that because then that means that they won't get the attention or love or whatever connection. emotion it is, connection that they once got. Because of X, Y, Z victim mentality. And it's just like, no. Again,
0: when you're a victim, what are you doing? You're going to feel sad. And when you're sad, you're feeling. So you're connecting to yourself. So it's all about finding something that is going to replace that connection. How can you transform that into a connection to yourself, which is positive? But unless they're taught that, it's hard to get out of it. Or at least to have them experience that. So when you're feeling shitty, you're still connecting to yourself.
2: Yeah, you're talking about connection, and also I'm thinking feeling sad versus feeling joy. Yes. I find that it's easier absolutely. to feel sad. Or hope. Than, in, in the pyramid, th- or in the. Some people are like, you feel joy and they wouldn't even know where to start. Exactly. How this is it supposed hope. to feel? Usually it's but hope. hope the... But then sadness, fear, it, it's, all of that is pretty easy to be in that space. But when you tell someone, Replace it with joy or hope. Like, what are you talking about? You know, joy so. is a hard
0: one to stretch for someone who's not used to playing into the polar opposites or mm. like flipping back and forth. Abraham ha- Abraham Hicks is big on the hope. And I think it makes hope. a lot of sense. Like okay. when you're reaching, um, usually the, the cusp between the upward vortex and the lower vortex is, um, is when you're bored. Bored is you're already starting to go downward. And right above bored in terms of the emotion spectrum is hope. When you flip from oh, I'm bored, or you see something that's maybe giving you a, you know, a glimpse of hope of excitement, Mm -hmm. that's when things shift. Mm -hmm. So hope can also come when you're being distracted. That's why we're talking about aerating either earlier. Just you know, a a mere mere distract. Our brains are like not they're very very um, bright, but at the same time they're absolutely not. You can trick your brain like you can bypass things into your brain. So, speaking of the brain, have a
1: fun fact Did you want to hear? It? Sure. I thought well, I'm sure you know already, but I think this is so cool that um, <laughs> if you do things often enough, you can actually change your neural patterns. And let's this say, is like, exactly what
0: I'm talking about.
1: Absolutely. Oh well, there you go. So, like basically like i thought this was so fascinating i was like wow we're so cool like if you if you lived a traumatic experience and that pathway in your brain is kind of like let's just call it broken because i don't have lack of a better way of.
0: it is actually it's like the connection it again comes back to connection so there's no neuron connection between both and so you're lingered with suffering there
1: right so you have like this disconnect and then like every time you kind of go back to that part i guess part of your brain or memory or whatever it is is like that disconnect is but if you work it enough and you replace that memory with a, new anchor. a positive memory or a new memory you can actually recreate a new pathway between neurons and 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 that broken one disappears so you can actually reprogram your brain to
0: be happy how cool is that? It is. I believe that too. <laughs> From the person who was I, having anxiety five minutes by the world yeah. mindfulness. I think that resumes the, the, that resumes the episode for today. Let's all work on re, uh, repurposing, our on reprogramming our neuron paths. And honestly, it all starts with hope. So find something that brings you hope in your life on a daily basis. And just sit with it five minutes and then six minutes and then seven minutes. Just that little thing that gives you hope. And then you'll see with time, it's going to evolve and grow. And uh, who knows, maybe at some point you'll be feeling joyous and and excited about everything. Anyways, I really hope you do. (laughs) And if not, you can always tune in and listen to another episode because we talk a lot about mindfulness in here. Yeah, so that was the episode on mindfulness. Hope to have you back on the podcast soon.